this film messed me up. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. Um, yeah, none of them good. Welcome to The Recommendation Game, a bi-weekly film podcast where we take turns to recommend a film the other has not seen, we watch them separately, and then Skype to discuss them. My name is Orla McNeilis. I am joined by... Ricardo Teakin. You are listening to Dublin Digital Radio. This week's film is Stories We Tell from 2012. Through a series of revealing interviews, filmmaker Sarah Polly investigates the truth of her family history. And I remember you saying as soon as you met him, you felt at ease with him in a certain way. And because you felt so at ease with him, you had decided to ask him if he knew anything about this rumor about Jeff Bowes being your dad. <laughs> you asked him the question. Have you ever heard anything about my mom having had an affair while she was in Montreal? You sort of looked up and you said, do you think it was Jeff Bowen? So I said, no. She said, do you know who it was? So I said, yes. No, I know that Jeff Bowes isn't your dad. And you said, how do you know that? And he said, because I'm your dad. The film was directed by Sarah Pauly, produced by Anita Lee and Silva Basmachian. Written by Sarah Pauly, starring Rebecca Jenkins. Cinematography by Iris... I'm going to say Nyig, it's an N-G, I'm not entirely sure how to say that sound. Uh, and edited by Michael Munn. This week's film was finally chosen by Ricardo, because we've been waiting a very long time, I feel. And she gets mentioned, like, <laughs> maybe every third film or something. Yeah, um, I think that the... the f- first mention of this was when the, we did a dream of a life which was dreams of like a life four years ago or something that was like the third episode or something because it was my <laughs> it was my second pick i think <laughs> and you destroyed it yeah so like uh, <laughs> this movie has been sitting in my back pocket for <laughs> quite a while so i hope it delivers like, well like i like i honestly obviously there's no guaranteed things in life but uh like i'm pretty sure that you like this movie so uh i'm so predictable well like it's not that you're predictable but even like if you see the track record in the in this show uh so much like a is a documentary b now that you live in canada it's set in canada she is a national treasure here it's it's actually hilarious people love her and thirdly, is that so much of what we like in this course is about the idea of memory, uh, how we see our lives, etc. And I think that like this is a movie that really speaks to me on that theme. Mm-hmm. And I think that like considering your interests and considering how well executed this movie is, I thought that you'd like it, but... I picked it, obviously, because it is a movie that I enjoy, but also I think it's a movie that is really well put together and very surprising at times. It's like it's very few times they watch documentaries that, quote unquote, have twists, (laughs) but like it's like even meta twists, like um, how 
the f at least the first time that I watched it, I hadn't realized like that it was reconstructions until they show you that they're shooting mm -hmm. the reconstructions. <laughs> and at moments, I was like, as soon as uh, I realized that, I was like, you, Ricardo, you fucking idiot. Duh. Of course, they didn't have like uh, he was, he was, somebody just. He was recording these. <laughs> yeah, someone like, just yeah. followed her right, with a Super 8 camera. But it's so well done and it's so embedded within the the flow of the movie and also considering that it is uh, intercut with a genuine archival footage. It kind of like, it sells itself, but then it becomes like meta that this is how Sarah you, used film to process the story the same way that Michael uses his writing to process the the what happened and harry does the same through writing and um i think that it is like incredible how a movie is able to create a character and a portrait of a person so well by just talking to people that knew that person mm. whenever they were young and i think that What's beautiful about this movie is that it's able to capture not only like the good side or the bad side, but also the contradictory uh, nature of people, mm. how the 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 movie cuts between like two different friends of uh, Sarah's mom and they say completely opposite things about who she was and they're both truth somehow because that's mm. their truth for their experience with her michael was a private person and diane was not a private person she really lacked guile she did not have two faces for the world i don't know if she showed different faces to different people but i did sense that she was a woman of secrets but they were artfully hidden i mean they were subtly hidden and because she had a larger-than-life personality, you didn't look for the subtleties because there was the razzle-dazzle in front of you. And it's not necessarily a lie to each person kind of thing. I think that, especially with a documentary like this, it's, uh, it's quite important for the people to come across as human and for them to feel at ease so they can open up because they're not used to being interviewed and also it's not something like uh, <clears throat> for example the imposter or something that the filmmakers have a particular angle that they're trying to pursue on their investigation mm. and this is like both more open-ended but also more personal and emotional so if the interviewee is not open to dig deep into their truths quote-unquote uh There'll be no depth in what they're saying. And then by extension, it will make their interview boring. And considering that this is completely like hanging on those moments, it's quite impressive as a director, especially because not only is she involved in the story, but also completely involved with the people that she's interviewing. Mm. And also like, I can't imagine being able to guide my brother the way that she guides her siblings <laughs> to like certain places, you know? Have you ever uh, interviewed any members of your family on camera? I interviewed my brother while uh, he was... Um, Undisposed, let's call it. <laughs> uh, and uh, 
Uh, I did it for college and uh, I had to edit out about 12 fucks in a row because he was uh, (laughs) trying to force me not to censor him for some reason. But like that was about it. Like uh, I don't think my mom would speak to camera, but she's shown up in a couple of movies as extras and stuff like that to lend a hand. Uh, in, in this case, like the, I think Johnny's my favorite. And, uh, like when I watched uh, with Alex as well, like the the bit when he talks about like taking out the bin is just like marking time. I mean, we all feel that way. Like I feel that way every garbage day. Like every time I have to take out the garbage, it's just like. Oh my God, it it just makes you realize you're just marking time. And it's just one of those things that, um, in fact, I make my boyfriend take the garbage out now. (laughs) And I think that it's also like, I love Michael. Like uh, his writing is so (laughs) poignant and good and open. And his relationship with Sarah is so layered in a way that it's not easily pinpointed. It's not just... uh, a father and daughter relationship and i like how uh the sh- the the movie goes into like huge amounts of details to certain aspects of their lives but at the same time leaves enough open uh ended for the audience to put their own experiences into it like the way that he says that whenever uh she went to uh, to announce that harry is actually her biological father that she hugs him and he says that it was the first time that she hugged him in years. Mm. But they never go into the uh, minutia of why their relationship had changed over the years from like between her being like teenager until her announcing that, that it's, uh, and it's interesting how like that announcement in a way revitalizes their relationship because Mm. it forced them to like reevaluate what their relationship to each other meant and is. So for it to be, since that there's no blood connection anymore to have that value, they actually have to be come father and daughter in a way mm. and i think that that's quite interesting but then it's also kind of interesting how the the rest of the family reacted to it how like the daughters including sarah which is not mentioned like that she divorced her husband at the time of making this can you talk about the impact that this news had on our family i don't get the sense that much changed in our family um, oh, except that we all got divorced. <laughs> Forgot about that. Whoops. Um, <laughs> except all three daughters got divorced. <laughs> yeah, good point. But then after like watching also take this waltz, it's kind of like uh, it explains a lot about Sarah's uh, marriage, I suppose. <laughs> right or right. Well... Yeah, I don't know if... Uh, but yeah, it definitely says a lot about Sarah, I would imagine, anyways, as a person all constantly on the co- on a quest for some intangible thing. <laughs> and I think that this uh, movie, like, does a particularly good job of being, like... It's rather long, but I, I think that, uh, like, whenever it gets to an hour, I think there's not another hour of material here. And I'm, surp- like, uh, half an hour till the end, you think... Uh, I don't think that there's another half hour material here and she keeps finding new ways of like approaching the material to reveal different realities I suppose the way that like the last half hour the 
the movie turns into like a meta commentary about the existence of that kind of documentary. Mm. And I think it's really interesting how it became then both a documentary about the is a portrait of her mother. Then it became becomes a like overall documentary about how families are. And then also a documentary about how we tell stories and how we remember things and how valid everybody's point of views are at the mm. same time how invalid each individual point of view is and like the truth is somewhere like uh, in a way uh, uh, whenever you paint a tap you get a tapestry so point of views and then there'll be uh, a, a, cor- a current in the middle there'll be more powerful than any single image individually is also in a way an exercise in futility because all you do is create a portrait of someone through other people but nowhere near is able to touch the truth of that person because that person is gone Mm. and just for the fact that it's uh, an idea of reminiscing about somebody that has been gone for so long but even if the these stories were told as soon as uh, Sarah's mom died just the, the fact that she's no longer there already uh, recontextualizes every event that has happened to that moment because it's a story that has an end mm. and it's the way that in itself how we process our memories through storytelling and I think that it's the best movie to approach that how in a way we try to make sense of the world through stories even if it is if you're not somebody like Michael, Harry and Sarah there are actually creative people that will actually literally process their emotions and feelings through storytelling but even the way her brothers and sisters they have their own narrative of what happened Mm. and because they're like the central character of each narrative let's say it's kind of like they have a different approach of like even Johnny having the context of having heard his mom saying that she's pregnant and she didn't think that it was Michael's <laughs> that that in itself we would contextualize everything later on but also the fact that he forgets about it because it just like he's just a teenager kind of thing and it's like but that subconsciously would have uh, painted a different picture of who his mom was to him mm-hmm. at the time even like the way that Michael says that he worked and did like uh, he partook in the running of the household and stuff. And then it comes to the kids saying like he never cooked, never looked <laughs> yeah. after us. <laughs> Nothing is that we just see our perspective in how yeah. life is. It's like is. A, a way of keeping a person alive, both in your own mind and also with other people, like by telling stories of them or by reliving stories in your mind about that person and even as like the more you tell the story the more the story changes but like it's like any good wake all wakes are are telling stories about a person and it's like yeah it's a way of you know you just you have you replay little things in your head all the time to kind of try and keep the person there not as a ghost but as like a 
as an actual man. person rather than an idea. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, they are able to capture that in this movie of like, especially like, for example, like somebody like myself that have like a certain story that I've retold a lot of times that is like about the separation between my parents. I don't speak to my father. I haven't for 20 years. So in that sense, I have like that distance that like the idea of who my father is is not necessarily who my father was, but it doesn't make it less true to mm. who I am, let's say. But I think it's like similarly to the characters in this movie is that like they're able like I think that uh, I'm only able to see my father as an idea, not as a person nowadays mm. but they're still able to see their mom as a person i suppose like there's the idea of age and stuff but i think that the interesting thing is that sarah is not able to see her as a person so she has to know her mom vicariously through other people as well because she was too young when her mom passed away mm. so like uh, i i think that it's quite interesting that also that she is the director the person that knew or the person the least is the one that decides what stays in the movie. The same way how Michael and Harry both mentioned that somebody's going to be editing these interviews. Yeah. So like the meaning Harry's uh, still happy about it. malleable. Yeah, because he doesn't have control. Combining and interweaving these three threads makes uh, like a richer tapestry. And I think that is a... a really good movie i really enjoyed it uh and i really enjoy watching it again i think it's like the fourth time that i watched it mm. and uh without further ado uh how much did you like this movie please say that you liked it. Uh, <laughs> oh man i was like <laughs> i was like it's such a good place going into this uh because i've been at the minute thinking a lot about like documenting and like archive of archive of your life um because <laughs> i had a hard drive uh, that had pretty much all my photography on it so about 13 years worth of stuff and uh right around when i went to go put it on to the cloud the drive failed <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah just recently so it's like a because it's a it's not an ssd so it's a proper hard drive mechanical failure so i think like four of the eight heads on it have failed or something um so yeah i'd sent it off to a company to do like a appraisal on it and they have to like bring it into a lab and all that kind of stuff so it's probably gonna cost about a grand to, to retrieve it and maybe they won't retrieve anything so i was like oh is it even worth trying it's so much money blah 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 and then we were walking around uh kensington yesterday in the fucking baltic freezing cold and i was thinking about how I know because I've been going through what's on there and it's like, you know, do I have enough of that somewhere else or whatever? Is it really worth it? I know that I have a folder on there from a Christmas. I'm not sure what year, maybe like 2010 or something. And it's in my grandparents' house and my aunt is kind of renowned for buying very weird presents. And um, she bought my dad a bow and arrow uh, huh. with like, <laughs> with like, you know, just what do you call it Not like, like a proper. like native american kind of thing or more no like a no like a arrow. like an as like a you know archery if you had proper 
you know, you could do actual proper archery with it. I think we still have it somewhere. But this was like, you know, my dad obviously going, what the hell is this? So I have all these photos and videos, everyone playing with this bow and arrow. Uh, and we'd put like a mattress at the end of the hall. And like, but I have like my Nana playing with it. And like, this is, you know, a good bit before she got sick. And uh, I was like, yeah, if I, if I could get that folder back, I think it would probably be worth a thousand euro alone. So I was like, I think I'm going to go for it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's well, like we've been circling around this film for a long time. And like, as you were saying, there are so many themes that I'm like, I'm so primed. Um, so we were watching this last night and uh, we got about an hour into it, I think. And uh, I paused. Oh it no, to, I like, don't like it where to, like, this is going. <laughs> the bathroom or something. And uh, uh, John was like, "Oh, what do you think?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I think it's interesting." And I was like, "What do you think?" And he was like, "Do you mind if I um, go into the other room and do stuff?" And I was like, "So it's not just me then." Um, oh no! <laughs> Man, I was not expecting this. Um, oh god, I tried. I tried so fucking hard. Um, <laughs> this is like... Thank God I didn't bet on you liking it. Then. <laughs> uh, like, oh God, so much to get into. Okay, so this is, it's such a loving and well-intentioned film. Because I watched, I read a lot of reviews of this and I read a lot of like, you know, I found some like negative reviews and a lot of people, they're like, it's boring. Or, you know, obviously Letterboxd and IMDb are always great for providing these. Or people saying that it's pretentious like navel gazing why do we care about her etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like no like this i completely believe in every single person involved with this including sarah that how well-intentioned this project is and how it's like therapy or you know like i'm um i think by kind of number one underlying thing is this film keeps alluding to conflicting stories or or a conflict or or, a shame, or shame, or how we never really know people. and But the main problem with this film is that ultimately their stories don't really conflict very much. And there's, there's, there's something there that's, that's weirdly glossed over in the film, which is her first marriage. And how they kind of drop it in there in the middle, allude to it. There's a very emotional moment where they're talking about how there was a series of stepmothers that abused the other kids. And then they never talk about it again, of how, when she got her kids back, how she got her kids back, what the actual timeline was in that, which I find really strange. That's that's one thing. Like, we can we can go back to that. But um, what's funny I'm is I kind of I forget. Um, I forgot until afterwards when I was, like, struggling through the last, like, hour. <laughs> well, the last fucking half hour. The length, Jesus, but we'll get to that. Uh, I kept, like, afterwards, I was like, oh, yeah, she made Take This Waltz, and uh, which is a terrible film. Um, but, like, I remember the first time I watched Take This Waltz, and I quite liked it. And, like, that film, despite being a disaster, has some really, like, the, 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 the idea of the main character of being, like, chronically dissatisfied and, like, she's chasing something intangible. And, like, that's that's a really interesting concept, particularly for, like, a young person. And, uh, like, there's one line that Sarah Silverman has where she says, she's like, um, life has a gap in it. Like, it just does. Like, you will never fill that gap. And you will keep running and running forever and you will never fill it kind of thing. And it's like, the theme of that film is really interesting. But the film around it is tedious. And that's 
entire Felipe does Felipe times where her thesis is so interesting. And I think she's really talented. And I think she's the ability to like explore this story. I don't think this film is it at all. Um, I kept wondering if, and this is kind of integral to a lot of documentaries where um, if you if you don't have engaging, and you kind of said it as well, if you don't have engaging interview subjects, your 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 documentary collapses. So it doesn't matter how important a person is to the story if they're unable to tell their story well, but also in a way that's very camera friendly. Your 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 you know that interview collapses basically, and if your whole thing is you know based around that interview, then you know it's it's going to be a disaster. Uh, and I did wonder if. Because like a lot of her family, you know, she's, she comes from a showbiz family, let's say. I don't like that phrase, but, you know, like a lot of her, her, you know, she comes from a creative family. And a lot of the interviews are very engaging. Like it's, a, you know, you, you really like Johnny. You really like Michael. You really like these people. Um, and they're kind of like performing for her. And what I was thinking, when I was asking you about uh, if you'd ever interviewed any members of your family, um, I did it with my, my Nana, uh, my mum's mom. It was actually my sister Claire's idea. She was like, you should get her on camera because, you know, she's in her 80s now and um, she had a fascinating life as well. Like she had tuberculosis when she was young. Um, so she went into a sanatorium for years and, you know, all of the story, all, you know, like that every, you know, a person who's in their 80s has a lot of stories. Um, and there's a funny thing whenever you sit down and you, you interview people that you know, uh, where they have a sort of a like, they're like, oh, this is your wee, pro- you know, this is your wee project. This is, you know, where people who don't work in a film or documentary or whatever, who kind of know, even people who know what you do, they don't really like, they've never seen you working. They never, you know, so they have a kind of a like, oh, you know, this is you. And you get a little bit of that in this film as well at the start where they're all like, you know, oh, I don't know, like, why would anyone care about our family kind of thing? And like, it's very like, I like all these people so much. I really like her father. I like her siblings. What do you think of this documentary being made? Um, you can be totally candid. Can I? <laughs> you know, I guess I have this sort of instinctive reaction of like, who fucking cares about our family, right? Can I swear? <laughs> like, who cares about our stupid family? And <laughs> like, I'm sort of embarrassed. Because I think it's our family and every family has a story. And But I do think it's really interesting to look at this one thing that happened and how it's refracted in so many different ways and there's so many different angles. I want to I spend time with these people, but I don't think their story is that interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a really interesting thing about, I was thinking about this film where um, we watched, uh, this is a real father-daughter thing, I think. Um, we watched uh, Dick Johnson is Dead, which is by um, the one who did Camera Person that we did um, ages ago. Um, and it's, re- it's really interesting, like where her, her father um, uh, has Alzheimer's, he discovered his Alzheimer's, so he's obviously slowly dying. Um, and uh, she makes all these kind of like, she, she, the way she deals with this is, as a filmmaker is um, by kind of putting him in these farcical situations of how he could die. And it's it's a way of her like dealing with it through her family as well as he like moves in with her and all this stuff. Uh, and it's, you know, it's it's interesting. There's one moment in the film where she realizes that as a person who's been a documentary filmmaker for her, her whole professional life and she made a whole film of 
of all this extra stuff on the side that she has captured of her life and while making films and stuff. And but she realizes that she only has one clip of her mother. Um, in, the, in, her, in her whole life, she only has one video clip of her mother, and her mother has also died of Alzheimer's. Um, and she's made this film about her her father, and obviously, like her mother is a part of that. But it's it's this thing of like. You, trying to know your father is a is a is a I, I don't know like I definitely have a bit of this as well of like if I, of them being almost like unknowable in a way of like of a certain generation of men as well of that like where you know they they don't they're not as keen to talk about their feelings or whatever and you know how certain things affected them as you get older as a person you start to wonder about that as you become an adult and uh it's a sort of similar here how in this she's dealing with two fathers through her mother's story and what can happen intentionally or not because obviously these people are dead it's very hard to create a full you know you're seeing someone through someone else's eyes but the mother kind of becomes a sort of an enigma of a kind of an unknowable thing um and i don't know if this is a a, it's not a criticism it's just a kind of a thing i was thinking about yesterday um because we don't have a person we just watched it um and it, yeah, it's 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 strange, and because she's trying to like in this film recreate her mother through an actor, and I don't feel like I know her mother. I don't feel like she's able to draw, like fully draw her as a as a person. Um, and I don't mean that as if she's being like exploitative or you know, it, this is not a crude true crime drama you know where you're like oh yeah we care about the victim but really we want to talk about like oh jesus we watched the night stalker recently and boy oh boy um, <laughs> talking about like that that is the mo- like sorry this is such a tangent but dear god if I, the most copaganda of all copaganda shows it is something else it is a journey um sorry i i really struggled with this i really did um because I really thought I was going to like this. And God, it is too long. Jesus Christ. This film is two hours and it's it's a short movie. It's a 20 minute movie. Uh, maybe not 20 minutes, but it, like maybe an hour. But like Christ, it is not a two hour movie. And I do agree that it is like I did mention the bit of like going like I don't think there'll be them enough material for another hour and then like, <laughs> yeah. Like, but uh, you then said that you felt that she kept like finding new ways to like look at this death. So like yeah, but at the same time, I can uh, <laughs> like I don't like I think that it, it could be shorter, but at the same time, it's not that kind of like at least for me, I don't see where to cut. Let's say I think that it could have been tighter altogether, kind of thing like little bits and pieces here it's not like a a whole section in the bin kind of you know like some movies you go mm. oh it, yeah. <laughs> just cut that character <laughs> like this whole bit uh, shouldn't be in the movie you know like it's like world of worlds mark is in the fucking basement with tim robbins and it's like why is this in this movie for 20 minutes uh, just on a couple of things that you uh like the the thing about the um well, two things that like I put up in kind of thing that I wanted to to hit is what you were saying about like her previous marriage and the the thing of the abuse and everything else. I think it's intentionally that it's not there because it's not Sarah's story, mm. but it's also like hinted in the idea of like the both in the structure of the documentary, but how 
the stories we tell are told there that is like this is the story about Harry, Michael and Sarah because it's Sarah telling it. If it was Johnny or like younger Michael telling their story, it would be about their mother leaving their father and them having the abusive relationships kind of thing. Is mm-hmm. that even within this family, there are more than one story, let's say, that this becomes like background and context for the story that Sarah is trying to tell. Well, this entire story, if it was being told, let's say if Johnny was making this documentary and it'll be about like them being in the car and uh, Diane having to say goodbye, knowing that they're going into this horrible situation, that the whole story for afterwards would just be the coda of the mm-hmm. of the story. Like the story would end whenever they became 18 and got out of it and are able to go like for dinners on the weekend to Michael's house. And they're like, that's the relationship that they have rather than the relationship with their ultra fucking old school dad and their like successions of abusive stepmothers. Like I thought it was a comment on like the idea that every family has their stories but also that every family have way more than one story it just depends Mm -hmm. how you decide to frame the story it changes the story completely the same way how you could frame the story as michael being the main character and it'd be a different story even though like it'd be like the the fucking uh, jersey girl kind of like oh i'm a single father (laughs) with a little kid or whatever you know yeah yeah i know i know what you mean i wonder if it's like a I was going to say, I need to go back and rewatch it. I'm never watching this again. Um, the How it moves from, if it's sort of like a, a, a an editing thing or something in that, how it moves from them talking about that into the next section without full clarity as to, especially, like, I, I, I don't know. I think because because they're talking about the mother, it, it kind of bothered me that I, ne- I never really got a full sense of, of of when they like did she ever get the kids back at any point or did they just grow up there and then you know like so it it yeah it, it kind of well my view is that like at least from what i got is that she never got the kids back because mm-hmm. she lost custody and stuff and then they whenever every time that they mentioned like the kids coming for dinner or whatever it was like in the weekend kind of thing mm-hmm. the they were coming for Sunday roast or whatever. They Even after she died, they were doing that in Michael's house. But that would be like for their siblings. So obviously they had a good relationship with Michael. Or be uh, perhaps that like they felt close to Michael as well. Because you can see that they're quite close to him. Even though he's like a stepfather to them as well. Yeah. And the other thing that where you were saying about like how maybe this story, family doesn't have a story to tell, let's say, uh, if we're borrowing well, the that, name of them. That that sounds bad because obviously you could make this film about anyone's family, and in maybe it is the way that it, it's 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 handled, or or that in a lot of ways she's very hands off in in how like we never hear her voice. It's we whether well, it's done through like annoying emails, but people. It's funny like people have a real obsession with Sarah Polly. Um, she has a kind of a like entrancing face or something. It's very blank. She's very she's kind of fascinating to look at. Um, like she gets described as ethereal a lot. Um, I she I feel like 
that makes her very hard to read whenever you see her in this film and that it's like what she's making this film is a way to to like show her feeling towards it of how of like you know even being like the young child in this family when all the other people are like growing up and she's sort of the one lap behind with her father and but like like she left when um she was like 14 or something like she was a child actor from when she was four and then left to become an activist when she was 14 and there's like all these things about her life that i find more interesting than this story kind of yeah it's like i want and i i wonder like people love this movie like and it's I don't know. I, I I wonder if as part of it because people have like a relationship with her where they've like seen her like other films, knowing her as a as an actress because I've only seen her in this week or after. I haven't seen her in anything else. Um, and how you you watch her and you kind of you want to know what what is she thinking? You know, like when even in the sweet hereafter, and like that's a really really good thing to have as a as an actor because it's like you know mm, who who is this person? Who you know like what? It doesn't really feel like a, yeah. I, I don't feel like I know her more having well, watched like I, this. I, I think that part of the reason that she made the documentary is the understanding that she's like very well versed with the idea of media and like also like documentaries and stuff. How if she sat down and asked their um, her family the same questions, but the camera is not there, they wouldn't be as honest. And in a way, like if she's trying to, uh, or maybe they'll be like more honest in a way, but it'll be like a different <laughs> there'll be a camera in front of a non-actor person. <laughs> yeah, but like these are like clearly people that are like a comfortable with being in front of the camera, like mm. most of them, uh, and be comfortable with her. So after a while, they just start chatting. But it's also kind of like that they knew that they would be asked questions about this and also be recorded. So you can't go back on it and say like, you know, like Harry knows that like it's part of the, like I reckon that he has an issue that he doesn't have control of how it's edited and stuff. Oh yeah. He is much, he says that in several, it's, it creates the one interesting bit of conflict in the last bit of the movie that he's, it's very meta as well of him trying to be the, the, the manager of the whole thing. But even like with Johnny and his, like her siblings is that they know that like everybody's going to be watching it. So when they're talking about each other or whatever, they have to be like, mm. you know, like you're editing yourself. Like uh, I remember like uh, whenever this movie came out, I can remember um, who said I remember reading a review of it because like like you said, whenever the movie came out, uh, like it went through the festival circuit and it was like really noticed, let's say mm. it's like critically acclaimed, like 90, not like, you know, my position with Rotten Tomatoes, but at the same time for like a wide release documentary, the supposedly like pretentious and boring 95% and Rotten Tomatoes is like. You know, like you'd expect a few more critics to just to like to steer the pot to go. Oh, she she's full of herself or whatever. Go back to the kitchen, Sarah. Yeah. Uh. uh, But I I think that like uh, I can't remember who said it. uh, They came out of the cinema and like I'm not saying that this is the case because you never know. Like it's one of those things that like uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist or whatever. But the, the person said, 
She said to everybody that she talked like the movie. So already the position is different than your position. But she said that the people that really, really liked it are from people that have like either come from broken homes or really complex relationships with their parents. Mm. And in a way, it recontextualizes your own experiences of your childhood kind of thing that you're a much much more able to put yourself in Sarah's shoes and like thinking about the movie that you would make because you have you have gaps let's say in your childhood let's say well I think that she said there was like the other people liked the movie but weren't able to go past like the the barrier of the filmmaking let's say Mm. that they weren't able to put themselves in their shoes of being able to try to if only I could make a movie to my family to explain what happened that you have like not to say specifics and stuff but like like uh, after watching the movie like Alex was talking about her family and stuff that like they have a complicated past like multiple marriages like things that I can't say because it's not my story to say let's say but Mm. a lot of complexity in their lives and how you know like you you're just the echo of the past the same way as like for example like what uh michael is saying about uh, in a way he can never be uh angry about what happened because he loves sarah mm. and sarah is the product of somebody cheating but like it's that if you wanted something changed and for me it's like something i like myself but for me to exist i have to have a shitty dad because Mm. like if he wasn't a terrible person like not saying like about the that i needed him to be a shitty dad but i needed him to be my dad specifically him for me to be the person that i am now let's say and i know that like i'm not saying that like you're family is boring or like that there's like no drama on it and that you don't have a story either but in a way i think that there's no when you come from a nuclear family like there's 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 a missing gap that like there's no missing gap let's say that you're you know even when you go to school and your friends are talking about moms and dads and you're like oh what's that you know like uh yeah I I, i know i know what you mean um is that not kind of a flaw of the film, though, that you can only really relate to this if you've come from, like, within your nuclear family, like, a particular situation? It kind of, as you were saying, that it made me think of um, whenever we did something like uh, You're the Best and how I remember at the time, you know, it's gone way, way back, you saying that, you know, you've never been a teenage girl, you've never been a teenage girl in... What the fuck is that film said? Sweden, Stockholm, Sweden. Sweden. Uh, but it didn't matter because you could completely relate to and understand these characters. Um, whereas if you haven't had an experience similar to Sarah that you can't connect with the film. Uh, well, like I suppose that, that it becomes in a way like uh, not that, not that too y- personal in a way that like the, the structure itself, it's like looking... It doesn't bring you in, perhaps, like, uh, into the mindset it's required in a way. And if you're predisposed to have that mindset straight away, you're already kind of predisposed to 
not perhaps enjoy the movie, but uh, to yeah. examine the movie in a different light because you're always like not only questioning the movie, but also questioning your own life in the context of the movie, the same way that they are recontextualizing their past by telling it. And then you're, you contextualize your past if it was that you were making that movie, the, like a movie about your past kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, that's a very valid criticism uh, that if it is not able to bring you in to like, if it's not able to prime you to the emotions that you're supposed to have without bringing it in. The same as like, before I fell in love with somebody, like a, a good romantic movie would make me think that I knew what love was, you know? Like, it's completely different to to reality, but... This film, this film messed me up. <laughs> I had a lot of feelings. Uh, <laughs> yeah, none of them good. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not true, though. Like, because um, I did a lot of research on her then, because... For some reason in my head, I was like, I've seen more Sarah Polly movies, but I don't know if it was just whenever this came out that I knew more about her because of that or something. I don't know, but I looked into her anyway. So she, she's very, she, she has this really interesting life. I was like, I want to know. She's, she still feels really on like, I don't feel like I, I've any closer to who she is or how she feels about things, I guess, uh, before we continue with any rebuttals you may have or go to favorite things um that at one point because we haven't quite quite isolated whether or not the mouse is dead yet so um just full context uh we have a mouse in our apartment um, <laughs> and i was sitting on the sofa at one point last night and there was maybe like 10 minutes less from the following and i was like <gasps> and um, i heard rustling like in the sofa and i leapt out of the sofa <laughs> turned on all the lights and was like where are you where are you i was talking to the mice and that was the most exciting thing while watching this film any closing thoughts <laughs> she's a cold fish oh jesus like uh, this, this i wasn't expecting like i'm sorry uh, i really am i tried the really beginning, hard the, um, <laughs> like um Thank God I'm not a betting man because otherwise <laughs> i'd be a very poor man because no every time that you. i go Oh, I think the like there's a certain winner. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like uh, like I still like uh, it's one of those weird ones that I can see where you're coming from, but at the same time disagree with it, but not being able like I feel it's a personal, mm. like very personal film. Oh, I think thing. so. Yeah. Like uh, at the same time, I was like. Whenever you were talking, like, I went into Google and see if there was, like, any other good reviews just to, like, I started doubting myself to go, like, is it a good movie? (laughs) But you know what what I mean? Whenever you're, like, you're watching a movie that is, like, you'd never thought that there was, like, like, I I do it all the time and Alex hates me for it, that we'd be watching a TV show and then before she can process it, I just go into, like, ripping it apart. It's just like, uh, now you've tainted it because I'm not allowed to, like, think that this is good anymore because you just fucking went at it for, like, an hour and now I'm like, fuck it. And And you give an idea for doing something very similar. Yeah, it was like... The episode was an hour long. You've been complaining about the episode for an hour now. So <laughs> I can't just go like, oh, yeah, but I just liked it. 
you know like yeah. you can't because it's like yeah i agree with all your points but i disagree like i didn't care when i was watching it so <laughs> why like you know and now it's ruined because you just fucking why can't you just let shit be ricardo and i'm like you're a tank sometimes you're a tank in a conversation <laughs> just like vroom. what was your favorite thing uh michael his yeah. writing in particular like a really like uh, he comes up with very like truisms but at the same time that doesn't feel like truisms because they're mm. like completely personal to himself the way that he describes how he felt his dna was just sitting in you know he's very good because like his not his interview per se but like the bit that they're recording in the studio his narration that he wrote <laughs> is actually his thought process on how he processed everything he's able to plan things and come back to them and give uh, the film a structure that otherwise would be devoid of I think I wrote this story because it really says so many interesting things about the human condition but maybe there was another reason Perhaps deep inside I have suffered more of a shock than I would openly admit. I sometimes stop and realize that something inside has for the rest of my life changed. A certain cord that runs between Sarah and me has been severed and I'm powerless to join it together. It's not a real thing. It only exists because we have developed this facet called imagination and that is all too real and tangible. Even uh, like how specific he is, but uh, well, like he was like putting effort for Sarah's visit, so he kills his fly, and he goes on to like explain like how work. flies keep in company, and he talks to them and stuff. And I was like, Jesus, man, get a fucking therapist, but this. <laughs> Jesus, there's one pan in this film that is so crushing. Where she's like, it's just across his kitchen. And like, it's there's just stuff everywhere. And he's such a bachelor. And he's like, sadly clicking on his computer. And you're just like, oh God, someone look after Michael. Yeah, and also like, I've never seen somebody chain smoke so much in my life. Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, Leo. You don't see anymore. It's like, how did he manage to get to 2012? Like... Yeah, what was your uh, favorite thing, if anything? Uh, <laughs> um, it, it ended. <laughs> well, no, I was very happy when it ended. But uh, there, there's two moments um, that really were like, oh. Um, and one of them is, well, there are a lot of very touching moments in this. But one of them in particular is uh, when Michael's describing how after Diane dies um, and he's sort of left alone with him and this little girl and he describes and they're, they're showing you know, like they're playing with the snowman and stuff and it's like it's so like suddenly they were like a team you know and it's for five years or whatever they were so you know they, they'd like rediscovered their relationship or something um with the absence of diane um and there's another moment later on where harry says something kind of similar where the abstract became real as in like this is confirmed now you you've you've been you've been accepted as her father and like they have this little sort of honeymoon period of like intensity and 
it's you see as both men describe um, the relationship and change in relationship or whatever through exterior factors. And there's such a like warmth to it. And it's like, oh, really like, oh, just hit me, hit me right in the feels. <laughs> um, but yeah, like even, there's a lot of there's a lot of moments. Um, um, what was your least favorite thing? Well, like, I do think that the movie is over long, but not necessarily to the same extent as you do. I think that mm. um, I don't know, like, I don't know, like, my point of view, I don't think that it requires two hours. But at the same time, you know yourself that sometimes you you take 10 minutes out of a two hour movie and it just the pacing just changes completely. You know, like the, it doesn't yeah. require that much sometimes you know like sometimes you take 10 minutes out of the movie of a movie and it feels like the movie is half an hour shorter because <laughs> yeah. like it, you don't lose like it, whenever it there's no dragging point it just like goes on kind of thing i think that like um the there the, I can't remember if it's the moment with the flies and stuff there's one moment that i think the movie should have ended in that is like about 10 minutes before and it's even if it was like Return of the um, king is what it is with its many endings <laughs> uh, what was your least favorite thing um either that it's too long or that i don't feel like i know diane maybe um this movie does a thing that happens a lot in a film or a show when you're a lot of people are asked to describe somebody and you get that kind of like oh she was like outgoing and always laughing and you know like <laughs> it, it makes her sound like such a character or something and there I feel like the moments where it, it it's 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 a very documentary thing you know of like you know oh, she was always losing things and she was always singing and she was always dancing and blah, blah, blah. and it I don't think it, it gives you a very surface level of, of somebody or something. Like, I don't know if it's a massive flaw, but yeah, kind of, it's like, who the fuck, you know, who pulls down really? You know? <laughs> like, At the same time, it's like, they, do, they did uh, mention that uh, it's like somebody said that maybe she was like, so always on because she was trying to run away from her past kind of thing mm. and what was happening. So it was like, keep as busy as possible so you don't think about it and people saw it as like energy and full of life and mm. then but what was really happening Just to her and it's also like uh, what i was saying about like when pe after people die we could contextualize what they saw people mm. might have thought in her life and that it's like Jesus, that's annoying. Just fucking simmer down. Like, just have a pint or whatever. Yeah, or people because... who, like, leave things in taxis all the time. It's like, that sounds infuriating. <laughs> but in, like, retrospect, it's like, she was so full of life. But maybe she was... Because even when they're describing that, you know, five weeks before she dies and she's stripping the paint off a a cabinet so she can repaint it it's and also i think that right, the people yeah. that fell in love with her uh, or pursue her the the three guys that they're showing her first husband michael and harry are mm -hmm. all like really uh, uh introverts and i think that it, i don't know if she was attracted to them or not kind of thing but you can see why they'd be like so focused on that bit 
about mm. the idea of being like full of life or whatever because they could vicariously live through her kind of thing that is like even Michael said that it's like easy kind of in a way easy to live with her that way because he it was easy to feel that his life was exciting because her <laughs> life was exciting kind of thing you know like he didn't have mm. to worry about it or like go to parties or whatever because there was always parties or whatever even though they were just happening around him. <laughs> but like um but yeah like it's interesting though like uh, in saying that that is uh, usually when one of us doesn't like a movie as much as you dislike this movie there's a bit more kind of like uh, rancor towards the movie almost or you know what I mean whenever we go to like least favorite things you go oh this is it's not a heaven's gate yeah oh god Uh, oh what a lovely one call back to Joe Mecklen Silver where she's talking about a I think it was when she was making Between the Lines and uh, no one really cared what she was doing. They just sort of let her off with it because they were making Heaven's Gate at the time and everyone was obsessing over that. Like the studio was obsessing over Heaven's Gate. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe that they should have paid more attention. Yes, but uh, it, is a, it is a conflicting one, this one, I have to say. Um, well, I knew that uh, at the very least it would bring out a good conversation and that it did, so... Sometimes. I think so, yeah. We're still friends. <laughs> cool. For how long? Uh, well, let's wait till next week. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> that was Stories We Tell. It is currently streaming on uh, the Criterion uh, player, which uh always nice to give them the, the nod. Um, also, you pay a very small amount every month, and there's no ads on it. So, uh, <laughs> that, Ricardo, where can they find us? They can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rec Game, uh, on Dublin Digital Radio every second Monday, 11 to 12. And you can find our back catalogue in your uh, podcaster of choice. Uh, you can support Irish Independent Radio on Dublin Digital Radio Patreon's page. And next week's film is chosen by Orla. It's another documentary about childhood and skateboarding, but not really. Uh, <laughs> it's called Minding the Gap uh, from 2018. Okay, uh, I'll be sure to slate it then. <laughs> Between the Lines and Minding the Gap. Uh, <laughs> until then, I was Orla Magninas. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Or the week after. <laughs>